0: Bicycles, the drunk podcast run by Kim, hello, and me, Charlie, and together we review. Call the midwife episodes every week. Every week I you really can't try. It,
1: can you? You can't do it that. Every stumbling. single
0: week I stumble.
1: Still better than uh, me. Ah.
0: Anyway, we do it drunkenly, and uh, it's it's larks. Uh, so how are you, Kim? This week, you good?
1: Yeah, I'm good. It's been a good Any- week.
0: Dog-related stories you'd like to tell the podcast?
1: What apart from being attacked by Scouts Double?
0: Yes, tell the Scout
1: story. No, it's boring.
0: Kim was Kim has basically been mauled and may one day become a werewolf. Now
1: I can't afford the waxing for that. If you were a
2: werewolf, do you
1: think you would get PLT? What PLT?
2: pre-lunar tension I hope so.
0: and also would you like you know like you transformed from being a werewolf do you think you'd feel like you had to wear four bras
1: what because I've got back boobs as well now
0: no because like wolves have eight teeth
1: I might not be a female wolf
0: Ooh, transform wolf, he stands. If going to
1: turn into a wolf, why, why would you assume it's a female?
0: Would you be an alpha
2: or an <laughs> omega?
1: <laughs> I, re- I reckon I'm an alpha. I reckon I'm an alpha.
2: Oh, gosh.
1: Right, um, what are you drinking tonight, Kim? Um, I'm drinking a combination of things this evening. We love a combo. So, mm, I've had a couple of glasses of wine, and now I'm on to... Some rosé cider.
0: Excellent. I'm drinking vodka and just normal vodka and coke today. Oh. No.
1: Yeah. Departure.
0: I I know. Well, I couldn't get the raspberry vodka and I was like, oh, no. So I'm slumming it. Um. As an aside, I also I was listening to another podcast and they at the start of their podcast, they comment on the weather. Oh. Um, which is a very British thing to do. But I feel like for posterity, we'll listen back and be like, oh, yeah, that was that. So what? how hot is it in
1: your house right now, Kim? In my actual house? In your actual house. 26 degrees Celsius. Right.
0: Now, Americans may listen to this and go weaklings. This is Celsius, not Fahrenheit, but it is, it's very warm. OK, it's very difficult to explain to the Americans how British summers work. But basically, it's five days.
1: <laughs> and the rest of
0: the time it rains
1: <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs>
0: or it's just shit weather like we have five good days of weather and at the minute that is what's going on and it is boiling
1: it's very warm i don't like it but i think it's, it's not so much that it's warm i think it's gone from relatively cool to warm very quickly we've not had the build-up I quite like a build-up yeah you know
0: those days where you don't know whether you should be in a jumper or shorts you're you're yet to decide
1: yeah I quite like to build up to the climax rather than just hit it instantly
0: I saw a woman do a tweet and she was saying that um she is so it was the most British tweet I'd ever seen and she said she organized her jumpers from, like, thickest to thinnest. <laughs> she was, like, the merits of how she dials up and down
1: <laughs> To be fair, if it's too hot for a jumper, I'm not happy. I'm just grumpus. Completely grumpus. We're just not used
0: to it. Like, mm. you go on holiday and it's a different kind of heat, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, what's a holiday? <laughs> oh, no, no one's had a holiday. Covid times. <sighs> but it's just a different kind of heat in... In other countries, it's yeah. just muggy,
1: but it's cooler at night, though, so at least you get a good night's sleep here oh, no. we have I was it'
0: very warm last night, we have very it warm. at
1: night here as well. it's a nightmare, and you can't have sex because you get too hot and you get grumpy because no. you're too <laughs> and' all sort of sweating and the the bodies are just clammy, and it's oh it's just don't know.
0: Right, so today's episode is uh, (laughs) Series 4, Episode 6, and we decided to ditch Episode 5 because nothing really happened in regards to Pupcake.
1: Yeah, nothing at all. Doctors heard it was in a bed the whole episode, I'm not interested.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would have been an interesting discussion on mental health, but to be honest, I think
1: we've done that now. There will be other opportunities Oh, well. there's
0: gonna be so many opportunities, especially with like Cynthia and Trixie. Ooh, and, yeah. yeah. We've an all to come people. It so, a dry episode. Yes, we we will no, we won't tell them. We'll just see if they work it out for themselves.
1: Oh I might have given it away. Yeah. Sam, Sam. edited that out. <laughs> and this time do it.
0: <laughs> so um she absolutely won't edit that out <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> every time we tell her to she's like <laughs> <laughs> it's her um, own
1: personal joke <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so this episode circles around uh, several cases I feel like um, this was the golden era for Call the Midwife and I don't know what you think about this but I feel like these episodes they really try to over cram the storylines
1: there's, there's certainly a lot going on but for me, series four is the absolute pinnacle of Call the Midwife. Agreed.
0: Yeah. No, I think it was the golden age. But at the same mm. time, there are sometimes when I'm when I'm trying to looking at this kind of critically, I think occasionally they overreach and try and shove too many storylines in, and then it weakens
1: the plot. Mm, potentially, I can see I can see what you mean. Um, but also, it's like, well, what do you lose?
0: This because is true. it's all good. It was. Um but yeah, so we'll get started. So this uh this episode circles around a diabetic girl called Paulette, um a traveler group and it's mainly Mary Cynthia and um Phyllis. That's this is an episode very much about these two characters. Yeah. So the opening scene is Cynthia who is studying her Bible and putting on her wimple and generally being like properly jazzed with her new nun outfit like she is loving it um but it did raise a question as I watched it um and it's how long was she away? How long did she go away? Oh not long like six six month? months. Ooh, I'll be kind yeah. say six months. Yeah, six months. It takes five years to become a nun.
1: She might have been fast tracked though, because she wouldn't have had to do certain parts of the training, would she?
0: No, but like you train to be a nun. You go to, like, I'm assuming there's a nun school? Nun school?
1: A, a nunnery? No, not a nunnery. A nunnery. No, I don't think it is a nunnery. Get thee to a nunnery. Get thee to a nunnery,
0: girl. But they, it's so, I was looking it up, and obviously they're not Catholic, but it was really difficult to find out how to become a nun. I had to do several Google searches. I Um, think today,
1: if you're a virgin, you just get in, don't you?
0: Or you get sacrificed to the gods, to a dragon. Is it Aries? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I've watched too much Zena. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but like she was away for six months and so she must be some sort of Time Lord or <laughs> have a Thelorean because she She'd is like a great full doctor. nun
1: she would make a, doctor <gasps> like a great Doctor Who she
0: would be a really good Doctor Who because she would be like the last iteration of Doctor Who
1: it would be so quirky wouldn't it
0: it would be very quirky because she is quite um like there's a lot of power behind her but she's mm. very tightly held she's a quilled spring <laughs> I, I worry and I, th- I think we see that when she unravels all in one go it's too much unraveling And yes hmm. yes Um. so yeah so there is just no fucking way she could be a nun and I'm just wondering <laughs> like
1: <laughs> she's still a postulant though isn't she at this point no but she's, she's not. not it takes okay. two yeah.
0: years before you're a... so you're a postulant and then you do two years where you take temporary vows And you take the vow of chastity, poverty, obedience, and there's another one I can't remember. Obesity. Well, basically, I think it's wind, earth, fire, water, and then you get to be the Avatar. (laughs) The Queen of Clubs.
1: The Queen of (laughs) (laughs) Hearts.
0: You get a... Basically, it's like, you know, Assassin's Creed. You have taken over all of the towers. (laughs) Now you have... Anyway. But, like... I was kind of wondering, do you think she's, like, nicked a full nun outfit out of the mother house and everyone's just so nice at the they haven't felt like telling her? Mm. Like,
1: probably more likely fancy dress shop.
0: I don't know, like, she's full Nanatus nun regalia.
1: I had a full nun regalia once when I went to a fancy dress party. Did you? (laughs) Yes. Have you got pictures? No. Oh, it guessing. was before <laughs> cameras were invented
0: uh, that heady day we could go out and you wouldn't have to see the pictures 15 years later like <laughs> god I was thin um, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. I thought I was fat I remember those days. Like, <laughs> now I'm actually fat and I'm sad um, <laughs> oh, so like do you, when Cynthia comes out Mary Cynthia she comes out she's full nunned up and Julienne kind of stops her and tucks a little tuft of hair, because you can't show your hair when you're a nun. No. Um, and I always assumed, before I watched this, I thought nuns had to shave their head, like monks, you know, like the circle at the back of the top.
1: Oh, right, okay. I No, I never thought that. I just mm. thought they had the little, you know, the little cap that looks like a cap before you put a wig on. Yeah. I thought they just had that.
0: I think we need like a more in-depth scene of a nun getting into her clobber. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's uh, a lot of
0: faff in it.
1: Like, it's you've um, got to get up yeah, early. But, you know, there's a lot of faff anyway, isn't there, when you're a female? Yeah. Um, But yeah, so it's quite
0: a sweet moment because Julianne tucks her in. So
1: tender. It's like almost, it's almost like a a mother. I was going to say, it's almost like a mother, isn't it? With a child, Mm you know, it was lovely.
0: And I always said, like, Julianne almost has that mother relationship with Sheila. Yeah. I don't know whether, given time, Mary Cynthia would have become like another Sheila to Julianne.
1: Ooh. Potentially, because I've not
0: got, thought that. Like, there's a parallel between the two, isn't there? And then Julianne as well. Like, if she thinks of both of them as almost like daughters, one leaves the order to go marry Dr. Turner, and the other one ends up in a mental asylum. Well, it's
1: a break techni- technically the same thing, isn't
2: it? <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Um. It's a new scene. After Julianne tucks Cynthia off and Cynthia kind of...
2: Tucks you know, her off? Tucks her off. Tucks Don't her make her
0: off. it dirty. They have a mother daughter relationship. <laughs> you
2: said tucks her off. What if I didn't.
0: It, like, tucks her in. Not tucks her off. How would you tuck someone off anyway?
1: Oh, I reckon I could find a way.
0: Just, like, fold the flaps in. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> after Julianne... T- does her um cutting Sorry of Jay. Hair. Sorry, Jay. We are so sorry. <laughs> um Julian then goes to Monica Jones' room. Monica Jones is in bed and unwell. Um and when I watched this I was like, Oh my god, if I missed something and then I just realized like Judy Parfitt wanted to be a bit dramatic this episode. <laughs> um So, Julian explains (laughs) that, um, Monica Joan has a UTI and she needs to take antibiotics. Monica Joan is characteristically not a very good patient and talks a lot of Shakespeare and says that she doesn't want liver. Mm. She can be quite childish, can't she? But it's quite a challenge to. Yeah,
1: she can, but it's, it's, when somebody's that eloquent and that well read with the childishness, it's quite a, it's quite a. It's, well, it's, A, it's humorous, but it's also quite difficult to deal with, I would imagine, because she's yeah. just going to have a very erudite comeback for whatever you say to her. Yeah,
0: you will lose that. You're going to lose. Yeah. You're not going to win.
1: No. Um, and
0: Julianne kind of explains that she needs to take them, and Monica Jones does a bit of Shakespeare. But I noticed that Julianne looks really strained and just very tight and I was thinking about it and it's been a long time since I've seen
2: Julianne look happy yeah like she is really sour
0: not sour face she's just got very like has anyone checked in with
1: Julianne? I feel like someone (laughs) needs to (laughs) well we're not are we a few months after her first love dying this is what i
0: was thinking
1: so she's are we still playing into that little bit of is she still 100 percent committed to this is she thinking about love's lost and the road less traveled and had my life gone in a different way
0: i don't know but i just i think there's a very definite difference between like season one julianne who is no less um serious and in love with her job but there's less hope. She's much more bogged down and stressed. And even, actually, I watched the first episode of Series 10 because I wait until the whole epi- whole series is out, and then I binge. Um, okay. And she's mega depressed there as well. I was like, is anyone checking in on
1: Julianne? Clearly not, then. Like, she's not okay. I mean, when your le- leader's not right, you need to address it. Yeah. That's where you- the whole ethos comes from. <sighs>
0: I suppose it must be really difficult to, like, go, yo, Julianne, baby, talk to me.
1: <laughs> Probably.
0: I mean, yeah, I just I feel bad for her. She looks sad. Lucy. Phyllis is running morning roll call in the clinic with Trixie, Pats, Babs and Cynthia. Um, She says that Barbara and Cynthia are on home visits and Trixie and Pats are going on the district round. Phyllis warns. Um, that they're all going to be super busy, so they need to, like, hurry up. And Babs kind of goes, yeah, but Evangeline is due back today. Um, And Phyllis says she will be going on to light duties um, due to having a Lady Bits operation. Mm. Um, And that is her exact wording. No, it's not. Tim then... (laughs) (laughs) Tim then arrives. Also, did, did... what opinion have you got about Tim's storyline in this episode?
1: In, in terms of his trousers? Yeah. Well, I don't well, it was the done thing then, wasn't it? That uh, boys under a certain age wore short trousers. And that's how yeah. it was.
0: I think it signals a huge bit of growth for Tim's character because...
1: Well, it was, it, it's sort of almost the marking of you're not a child anymore. You're not quite a man, but you're old enough to have long trousers.
0: Because the storyline for Tim in this is that he's going to grammar school. And I thought it would be interesting because I don't think Americans properly understand what grammar school
1: is. I don't think British people properly understand what grammar school is.
0: Well, this is what I was going to ask you. So when you went to school, what what did you do? Did you do like juniors, middle and high school or did you do primary and secondary?
1: So I went to um, the church school right then I left the church school at about 11 Yep. and then I went into another church school but it was for older children yeah and then I went down the mine (laughs) and I effectively was a pit pony for the next 20 years
0: yeah it was hard times in the 1800s it really was like (laughs) it was wearing
1: that Welsh knot I couldn't take it anymore (laughs) <laughs> but thank
0: goodness for Nye Bevan. Um, yeah. Met. yeah, he's
1: a lovely man. Terrible yeah. hair, but lovely man.
0: But in all seriousness, guys, I just thought I'd explain what grammar school is. So over in this country, there's a real um, difference, first of all, in how you go to school and then grammar schools. So Maggie Thatcher, when she was in power, she basically changed up the system a little bit so mm. she i did think she
2: well yeah was, I mean, was we it could not go into barbara that. castle
1: was it not barbara castle
0: it could but well was, be was barbara it, was it castle not, was, was
1: it not harold wilson was it harold wilson yeah they got rid of grammar schools
0: yeah. yeah but no what i'm talking about is the middle schools thing oh okay so i went to school and i did primary school which was four till eleven And then secondary school, which was 11 till 16. And then at the end of that, so the last two years of your secondary school education, you would do a GCSE. Um, And then after that, your GCSEs were basically worthless. Like, they put so much pressure on us when we were in school. Like, you must, you must do well with these GCSEs. And they were fucking pointless. Well, they put...
1: they weren't that pointless because they they, basically yeah if you didn't if you didn't get a certain grade in your gcses then you couldn't do that subject at a level
0: and this was the difference so some people went to college and college is more of a vocational thing and some people then went on to do a levels and a levels are what you need to get to university yeah so that's but then you also have the middle school system so the country is a bit confused so you have your so with the middle schools it's four till like 10 okay and And then they do a middle bit which is like middle school and then they all start secondary school a bit later so it's so like my wife did the juniors primary and then the high school so it depends where you were kind of born and Hmm. village or the town where you grew up mm-hmm. or the city
1: and um, indeed people's experience of the grammar school secondary modern system is very different depending on where you lived as well yes so the, the people grammar school absolutely was posh hate it mm-hmm. well no not posh but it today it's posh back then it when was you posh.
0: basically every everyone could supposedly everybody could access the grammar school mm-hmm. but you had to take the 11 plus and the 11 plus was an exam they would give to primary school children. And if they passed it, they were deemed to be academically bright. And then they went to the grammar school. So ident- mm-hmm. so it was supposed to bring together all of the people that were brightest and best. However, people who had, you know, a greater social wealth. So parents that were richer, who could afford tutors, who could afford, you know, holidays abroad, who could afford that enrichment at home were more likely to create children that could positively whereas kids that might not have done well in their 11 plus actually have gone on to do just as well so there is an element of privilege with the grammar school in my town there are still two grammar schools Mm
2: -hmm.
0: there's a girl's school and a boy's school and they are still the schools where you can only get in it if you're like the best and the brightest And if you're stupid or not academically gifted, they just drop you like a sack of shit. Like, they get rid of you at GCSE level, or before if they can.
2: Mm.
0: Not like get rid of you as in murder, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) murder. I think, think to be fair, there is um, as much as people, as many people that like the grammar secondary modern system um, there are as many people that don't like it. And I think it depends on individual circumstances. There are some... My mum... Uh, okay, so my dad went to a grammar school. Mm-hmm. My dad managed to get into the grammar school because his most of his aunts were teachers and most of his uncles were teachers. And he had extra schooling after school from them yeah. as a family favour. My mum went to a secondary modern school, which is... She would never see secondary modern school as being inferior to a grammar. She would describe it as the academic kids went to the grammar school and the kids that were practically better went to the secondary modern school. Yeah. Um, And but also where she was uh, and where he were, there was an awful lot of teacher led um, migration between the two streams. So, if a kid failed the 11+ and went to the grammar school, uh, went to the secondary modern school, but then obviously was a late bloomer and was actually academically bright enough to go to the grammar, potentially do A levels, potentially go to grammar school, the teachers would almost um, cherry pick them out and take them up. And then, oh, kids okay. that were strugg- and then kids that were struggling, but actually, he's really, really loves his woodwork. <laughs> Let's take him down. And suddenly he's got his own business. He's done his secondary modern school and he's turned into a carpenter and is running his own business, which happened to one of my mum's cousins. So there needs to be I think it needs to be a flexible system between the two. If you're going to have a non-comprehensive system, I don't know where I stand on the fence, whether a comprehensive or a grammar secondary modern is better. But I think whatever you're going to do, it needs to be flexible.
0: I just remember when I was in school so I went to a secondary school that was quite it, it wasn't very well funded um and the year that I started they opened a brand new school and all of the good teachers got poached and the mm. shit ones got left and they actually shut us down 6 years later off dead for like you've had enough warning wow um we had a nursery for all the girls that got pregnant um so they could Seriously? drop their baby so they could drop their babies off before school started because there were so many teen pregnancies like it was not a particularly well-funded secondary school um but I have to say we had an amazing woodwork metal we had a forge (laughs) (laughs) and we had a brilliant sports department but
1: skills are needed they're not to be looked down on you know
0: but we didn't have access to the grammar schools because they stopped yeah. that 11 plus, but the grammar schools themselves still existed. So then that became people would like move house so they could be in the postcode for the grammar schools. So the that, area around we, those gram, grammar schools are quite posh now.
1: That's where it becomes not right. It should be. a. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be about money. It should be about. I think definitely in my the, town, it's very skills, much about money. What are the skills of the child?
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, this is a tangent. This, this <laughs> is a massive tangent. tangent
1: but just another story on this. Um, one of my fr- well, not my friend, but I lodged in a house, became very close to a family. And, um, the two mother and father of the family were, uh, one of the, she's slightly older than her husband, and she got a scholarship into a very prestigious, um, private school. Um, nice. Samantha Cameron went there, so with, that's the Ooh. level it was. But her husband was the first year that the secondary modern and the grammar school split into comprehensive. Mm-hmm. So and because of the way the school system fragmented, the school he was designated to go into was the old um, compreh- was the old um, basically made up of the secondary modern teachers. Yeah. Where he was effectively a grammar school boy caliber. So he ended up getting what he felt was a subpar education because of it. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 as there are many good stories about that system, there are as many bad stories as well. And as I say I'm not quite sure we need to speak to one of the teachers in the group to yes, find out we, what their views are teachers
0: in our Discord, so it'd be fascinated to know what people's opinions are on grammar because someone wants to bring it back because now also we have a new thing which is academies which mm. is basically where they don't have a governing board as such they're, they're basically parents create their own governing board and then set the curriculum
1: yeah well they're they're separate to the department of education aren't they so yeah and then the local education authority
0: so basically they fund their own school to their own ends it's a bit dodgy but anyway the the, this whole tangent was basically built on the fact that tim (laughs) has passed his 11 plus and is going to the grammar school so all of tim's stuff is like i'm going to the grammar school i'm having long trousers i need buttons violet i'm going to the look at my legs so yeah, I mean, Tim is clearly going to become a doctor, like his father, because that's what babies of doctors tend to do. <laughs> like he's, lots he's a of good people doctor parent... already. He will be, but like a lot of people whose parents are doctors tend to then become doctors. That's true, As a matter, actually. of course. Same with nurses and any kind of, and police as well. Like it tends to be like a family thing. So yeah, so Tim arrives, um, to the roll call, back to the scene. Um, and Phyllis says, my word, young Timothy Turner, you're shooting up like forced barley. Um, and Tim goes, I know, I'm in agony with my growing pains. And he's brought insulin, which is a, not actually that big a box, if you consider the fact that the syringes were all glass. Um, and Trixie complains about how many diabetics are on the district voter. And that, you know, it takes up nearly half of their day doing just insulin injections. And Phyllis, I love love Phyllis. I love Phyllis. We have got to do just a whole rant about how we'll save it until they're horrible to her. Um, But Phyllis um, says, diabetics are being mollycoddled and she's going to take it in hand. I love that. I love it. I'm going to take it in hand. Yes. Yes. Come Come on, Queen. So Phyllis takes the back, like, she just tins off telling people where to go. She's like, they know. So she leaves with all the insulin and she's going to take over the district rotor by herself. She goes to her car and immediately realises that somebody's nicked her hubcaps. Um, mm. She turns around to see that Fred and Peter are just chatting and have completely missed this.
1: Good police <laughs> work there, isn't it, from a sergeant? Yeah.
0: Nice to know that Peter's on the case. She tells Peter off for not noticing and says it's probably those gypsies oh. by the, like, uh, Phyllis, like you were doing so well and I absolutely you ruined love it. You, but you, you oh, come it. on. It's not necessarily the travelling population. It's a little bit of a local stigma. Um, but anyway, Phyllis sort of says it's the gypsies and then she stalks off back to her car with her bag of insulin. And um, we then have a new scene and um, Phyllis arrives at Paulette Rowland's house. And Paulette is a the diabetic patient that's one of the big cases. Hmm. Um, Paulette is 17. Yeah. Yeah, she's a teenager. Yeah. Um, her mother answers the door and is very prim and proper and quite snooty and says um, she was expecting a nurse to be there on the dot. Ooh-hoo phyllis manages this like a champ, and she's like well i'm here now so let's go and have a look um paulette is the teenager and she's sitting in her living room in a like a nighty like what was that
1: i don't know well she just doesn't care does she she's okay. odd enough she's,
2: she's just like a like it's I, a frou-frou is it's a, what it's a, called a frilly,
0: really frilly housecoat, pink thing with two <laughs> marabou um, feathers. Details. She just looks very childish, and I think that's what they were trying to emphasise there—that she is a child, um, and quite a custard child at that. So mm. Paulette is in her nighty reading a magazine. Also, do, if you anyone out there watches Outlander, the actress who plays Paulette um, also plays Um <laughs>
1: She's also in um, The Crown
0: yeah i was because we were watching it and i was my wife was like i know her i know her from something so we had to imdb it so yeah yeah she plays Leary. um so the mum's kind of hovering while paulette sits reading a magazine and almost like phyllis is a servant like they she, they're very entitled they don't give her eye contact mm. she's just reading her magazine and i'm i i would um yeah.
2: well it, it's
1: an interesting setup though, is isn't it really the way they've played it, almost very dismissive.
0: Yeah, like the staff are coming in to do
1: the job. Yeah, and uh, let's face it, they're no great shakes, mm-hmm. are they? At the end they've of they've kind of the taken
0: her for for granted. Mm. Um, and um, the mum's kind of hovering fretfully um, and uh, says they've had a terrible morning. Um, and there's just this vibe that Paulette's quite spoiled and quite pampered and quite. Um, I just, yeah, I have thoughts about this. Um, So Phyllis (laughs) tests Paulette's urine and mum says Paulette was sick overnight. Phyllis says she's going to teach Paulette to do her own insulin because the family is saying she was sick and you're 20 minutes late. You should have been here. and, And Paulette says it takes me all day to get back to normal if I don't have my insulin on time. So Phyllis is going to empower her to administer her own insulin, which I absolutely agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, Paulette doesn't want to, though. Uh, she says that she wants, and they say that they're entitled to have a nurse come to their house. every. But I was thinking about this. First of all, with insulin, she would have to have an insulin injection every time she ate. Three times a day. Mm-hmm. If she's type one, which she is. Mm-hmm. Um so that's three district nurse visits every single day plus if she has a hypo or i should say she has a hyper um hypoglycemic shock during the night she would then again have to have an emergency visit from the nurses to administer insulin but the family don't want to learn how to do insulin themselves madness
1: well it's the nhs isn't it they'll take care of us
0: yeah. And also, like, I was just thinking how slow it must be, because they in order to identify her blood glucose levels, they are measuring the sugar in her urine, mm-hmm. which is such a slow process. Like her, she just has to wee in a jar every single day. Um, And you think about now when you've got the pinprick tests
1: or the dipsticks.
0: We've well, got the, the pinprick tests on the finger. Mm-hmm. But also you now have this monitor that basically goes underneath the skin. Yes. Um, and you just hold your smartphone to it and it says the reading, which is amazing. Cause I've got a lot of friends who are type one diabetes and they are all starting to get them and it is amazing. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Cause also their phone gets like beep beep. Your blood sugars are dropping so they can really administer it quickly, which means less hypos and hypers and I'm here for it, man. Um, but I was also thinking about, um, Paulette's mum. Um, because Paulette's mum really infantilises Paulette throughout
1: this thing. Yeah, but she is 17. She's 17, but often like this is... And we're going back to the 50s. You know, you, you we're not talking about you being an adult at 18 here. We're talking about you being an adult, an adult at 21. So.
0: Yeah, but they would have made them go and get a job.
1: Not necessarily. In poverty, it would depend...
0: like if there wasn't a lot of money, then you yeah, would they're, have. Yeah,
1: they're clearly not, though. We're being shown here that they're slightly more middle, not they're not middle class, but they're perhaps more upper working class than we are perhaps normally seeing in Poplar.
0: But then later on, Mrs. Rowland says that her dad is working on an oil
1: rig. Well, he's on a ship to South America, isn't he? But he on might an oil be. Rig. But he might be a first officer, he might be an engineer... He's yeah. not necessarily going to be a grafter. They live in a nice house that's slightly better maintained and furnished than the other houses that we're perhaps used to.
0: True. I just, I find it's kind of like often when people have a sort of disability, they often get treated like they're younger and they're, people okay. are reluctant to make them independent. And then what happens is, what happens here, which is Paulette has a secret boyfriend And she's obviously much more mature and, you know, wants to do all of these things. But is because she's mollycoddled, she doesn't have a lot of the skills that's required. And then mum has a lot of guilt, which kind of comes in this weird power play. And, yeah, I just thought it was very interesting to watch.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, I see where you're coming from, actually.
0: So new scene, the traveller's site. Um, so the police arrive, it's Peter and a gobby copper that we never get the name of. Um, <laughs> and they're basically going to inquire about Phyllis's hubcaps. Um, the travellers are very reluctant to engage with the police um, because of they're just, like, historically, these two groups of people do not get on. Um Peter asks about the hubcaps and, um, the guy that he talks to says his kids don't steal or go to school. They, they're workers, all of them, and he does keep an eye on them and there's no way it could be them. Um, he then calls a young girl, um, Breeder, to attend to a crying baby and he says that he's Breeder's grandfather. Um, Breeder has had a baby and she's very young she says that she gave birth three days prior and she's the baby's called john and breeder then runs off with the baby peter tries to engage with the baby's grandfather but utterly fails this guy's like don't talk to me about babies but like i was thinking about this for more of like guys in travelers communities do not talk about babies Like, they just wouldn't. It's a very, it's not the thing that's done. They're the men. It's a really gender conforming insular society. Women are the housemakers. They clean the house. They get married. They're homemakers. There is not really a lot of choice. And the men are men. So when he's like, I have a nipper, when Peter's like, I've got a little boy, I've got a kid. And this guy's like, don't talk to me. He
2: just wouldn't.
1: <laughs> like, if you
0: tried now, they wouldn't talk Pete to you. He's trying he very get...
1: hard, isn't he? He's trying He's... very hard, isn't he? He's trying
0: very hard to create, like, a nice. He's Rapport. trying to engage them. Yeah. He's trying to and get a.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not working. I also, yeah. like, with this traveller community, I found it odd because they have both Romani and Irish gypsy stuff going on.
1: Yeah, well, they've got the modern caravani type things and then they've got the historic more traditional type caravans there's it's quite interesting with the juxtaposition between those two things and then you've got clearly different accents going on there as well and the thing is though, like the
0: romanese and the irish travelers do not get on
1: really i didn't know
0: that and are disparate communities with different customs and like they did they have their own things. so for example the whole burning someone on, when they're dead in their van is a romany thing it's mm. not a irish thing and the names are romany but the accents are irish <laughs> it kind of bothered me
1: the names are irish a tractor yeah that's irish pagine's irish
0: yeah, I don't know. They just had. It was very confusing to try and work out what the crack is with this group. So it was I like, felt
1: like they were trying to show a community in transition, rather than trying to show Romany versus Irish Travellers, to some extent.
0: Yeah, my great grandfather was Romany. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, so it's a very insular society. I just found it interesting. So new scene, and this is the pupcake scene. OK, so I did a fuck ton of notes because I knew I'd be murdered if I didn't go deep, deep into this, even though well, not a lot actually quite, happens.
1: I'd quite like to go deep into them as well.
0: <laughs> what, collectively?
1: Why not? I've got two hands. <laughs>
0: OK, so Patsy is putting up a sign for a square dance on the community centre's wall. Delia arrives and Delia is wearing her purple nursing outfit. Um, <sighs> I hate that. And She goes, hello, Pats. And then Patsy beams and. um, I'm trying to read my own notes. Um, So they stand very close to one another, like closer than you would with just a friend. Um, Patsy is proud of her sheet and she goes, what do you think? And Delia says, all your own work. You are a dark horse. And there's a bit of a flirtation. Patsy says, uh, actually, she made Winnie do it, which I just love the idea of Patsy being like. I don't do crafts. Winnie! Um, Winnie! Well, she's a teacher. Yes. Yeah, teachers do have pens in at least four colours. <laughs> um, Pat says that Winnie did it, and Delia says that she's going to take one home for the nurses so that she can try and sell more tickets. She's going to pedal them relentlessly. So that the cubs can go to a jamboree in Norfolk. Patsy says the train fare is really expensive. No child should be excluded due to being poor. And Delia kind of has hard eyes and she's like, you really care about the little scams, don't you? Uh, there's a lot of undercurrent of sexual tension and... Yeah. Um,
1: Patsy's Some bad editing in this scene as well.
0: Yeah, it wasn't the best. Patsy whispers, "Don't tell anyone," and Delia says, "Your secret's safe with me, and not just the fact that you like children, but also the lesbian thing." Um They bump into each other. They stare into one another's eyes. They could have had a kiss then, Um and then Evangelina arrives and ruins it. Okay, a few talks about Too this, public please. for a kiss.
1: Come on, it's yeah, a fucking corridor. In a in a community centre.
2: I
0: absolutely would. I wouldn't have lasted long (laughs) in this era. Um But yeah, they're standing very close. Why is Delia in the community centre in her outfit in a uniform?
1: Because she's come to pick up the poster. Do you think she's come from work? Yeah, I think she's come to pick up the poster.
0: So clearly Patsy is calling her then. Yeah. So do you think delia like there's a scene as well later on when delia arrives before the square dance and
1: they know who delia is because she was at the wedding she was at the um the engagement party
0: yeah but like is she hanging out with the nanatans like
1: no i don't think so i think she's just patsy's friend that comes around once in a blue moon and we'll just be nice to you because we like patsy
0: hmm I just found it very interesting because I was like because nobody
1: nobody really greets her apart from Patsy when oh leaves. no Phyllis
0: is nice to her Phyllis is nice to her later on yeah
1: yeah that's true but, but yeah okay
0: no uh, but I just yeah I just uh, there's so many times when I feel like they could have kissed and they didn't
1: yeah but the turners don't kiss either
0: yeah, but the tenors have three children. So, well, not at this point. Four children, if you include ten.
1: I just feel like the the established couples do not give that much affection towards each other. In this, I think it's actually, I actually think it's a downfall of the say, of the series generally, uh, all series that there are not
0: before watershed no they not i show think them no
1: it? it's because pa- it's because heidi doesn't want it to become a soap opera she wants it to be about the story of the week rather than the the think of the um characters from week to week our usual loved beloved characters are the bones of the skeleton okay And that's what they're there for. They're there to hang the stories on. They're not necessarily there to be the stories themselves, although there are some slight deviations to that when it suits her. The stories of the week, the mothers of the week, are the skin and flesh of the bones. They're there to provide the meat. That's
0: very profound. Do you reckon? I do. I really liked that. That was a lovely allegory.
1: Well, I um, like that it's quite medical as well.
0: Very medical. If She is a doctor. So, I am not a
1: doctor, people.
0: <laughs> so, Evangelina arrives dramatically at this point. So, it's a good thing they didn't kiss because they would have been caught. And Evangelina yes. would have had a heart attack on the spot. Um,
1: no, come on. I don't think so.
0: Evangelina being like... Two women kissing. I mean, I did start in a nunnery school. We should ask Mary Cynthia what it's like. She'll, her memory's precious. She'll fill you in. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> rides And so says, there's a pram outside with a baby who's got an infected ear. And says, will these mothers never learn? And Patsy sort of goes, welcome back, Evangelina. And Evangelina's like, I'm not even talking to you. Evangelina then bursts into the clinic. She's so dramatic at opening doors, isn't she? Very yeah. dramatic. And opening mouths as well. Sheila and Julianne kind of greet her enthusiastically. Um, and we, they said, of course you're coming, of course you come straight to clinic because, you know, you're you. Barbara then walks up and with a crying little girl and says, someone stuck a Lego up this kid's nose. Um, and I, okay, I love the, um, rivalry between Phyllis and Evangelina like it yeah. kind of it's clear they're they're equals of the same kind of stature and experience and Evangelina's really threatened by phyllis
1: yeah absolutely she is
0: um because evan- so phyllis says um use a cold compress and evangeline is like i'm going to use vaseline and tweezers and i was like yeah i just love them um <laughs>
1: <laughs> but neither of them are wrong either are they no it's
0: two versions there's two sides of the same coin that's yeah. kind of why I like it because yeah. they both come at it well they're it the with, same person yeah I mean I think Evangeline is a bit bullshier
1: I think Phyllis has her moments
0: yeah like Phyllis can hold her own but mm. but I also like as well when Evangeline leads this girl off to go and sticks some Vaseline up her nose and tweezers Barbara and Phyllis <laughs> share a little half smile at each other. And I was thinking this is the episode where you start to see that Phyllis and Barbara are actually starting to develop their own little relationship.
2: Mm,
1: I did do, until later on.
0: Yeah, like I was like, oh, So, new scene. Paulette's mum leaves the house. Paulette has been seen watching her go, um, watching her mum go through the curtains of the front window. By the way, as subtle as a brick to the tits, Paulette, like... <laughs> <laughs> you are wearing a gigantic pink dressing gown and you are blonde and you are standing against a white black ground. You stick out so obviously. Like she doesn't even try and hide. She's literally like, is she gone? <laughs> Go! Right, she's gone. She's so obvious. She'd make a shit spy. She'd um, make a shit spy. Paulette then runs out the back door. Not a euphemism and um sees her sees a man who looks a bit gangstery um and immediately snogs his face off um this dude is her boyfriend He's called vaughn he's kind of he looks a bit like you know um the craze oh yeah he's got that whole gangstery vibe hasn't he
1: yeah ronnie knight that's the look they're going for
0: yeah um Paulette asks um, how it went with his parole officer. And it turns out then that Vaughan has been to Borstel. Um He's been in Borsal is kind of like tween prison.
1: Yeah, it's like youth offenders.
0: Yeah. Um, and um, he says that he spoke to his parole officer. The parole officer is really positive about him. He's got an apprentice on Fleet Street as a paper dude. Um, which is really positive, and he says uh, he's you know, people look down on him, and he's been a naughty kid, but he's going to promise to be good because he loves Paulette so very much. And off they stroll, I'm presuming to have a shag round the back of the bins or something.
2: Oh. Romance, <laughs> so
1: romantic,
0: so I mean, where seriously, where? Because clearly they are having sex, so where are they having sex?
1: Well, it, yeah. it is going to
0: be against a wall under a bridge, isn't it? Can't say we haven't all done it at some point. I fucking can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So the whole like, it's so romantic. It's you know when you're like a teenager and you're like, this is so romantic. Yeah, then are you as an adult, you're like, love. No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Uh, new scene it's a dinner table scene everybody is there Evangelina says a really fucking long prayer and uh, like even Phyllis is praying and she is an atheist like it really bothers me that everyone ha- I get they're living with nuns but not everyone's religious true I suppose if you sign up to live with nuns you kind of have to suck it up buttercup <laughs> 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 yeah Um but anyway so they're all why like why
2: do you build me up burning a baby just to break me down break mess me, down. me around
1: and then and the worst, worst of all. All.
0: oh no we can't do too much because we'll be sued
1: oh shit sorry no I, I know didn't... Mike Darbo he won't mind
0: okay cool as long as you call cool with Mark Mike. um he's <laughs> <Mike. laughs> <laughs> sorry Mike um, <laughs> so Branch, um, is says that she's very hungry obviously she's been working hard and then she is handed a cheese tart which she instantly acts as though they've given her like a severed baby's head on a platter so <laughs> <laughs> she's literally like
1: <laughs> i about to, come on she's
0: like what is this and they're going, it's a cheese tart, um, because obviously Phyllis is a vegetarian. You can literally see her being like, I see, I go to have my lady bits checked out and you swan in here with your vegetarian ideals, ruining my dinner. And it causes a scene. Phyllis kind of very subtly goes, you know, you shouldn't be ruining your body with animal matter, considering <laughs> that you're so weak after having your areas seen to. The
1: snapback, though. <laughs>
0: I love them. Like, they are like an old married couple in some respects. Yeah. Like, I could absolutely see that. If anyone wants to do a crack thick with Phyllis and Evangelina, I'm here for it. It would be difficult to get through, but I would persevere. Oof.
1: I'm not sure I'm ready for that. <laughs>
0: um, But, yeah. So... While they're sitting at the table, while Evangelina's Angelina's sulking, um, Trixie asks Peter about Phyllis's hep caps. Peter says it's doubtful they'll ever get them back from the gypsies. I mean, he hasn't even like interviewed or considered other. He's literally gone. Well, Phyllis said it was gypsies, so it must be. Must be. Peter obviously you're a sergeant in the Met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because the quality and calibre of the police, are, no, you know, we're not even getting into it. Um, so Peter then says it's doubtful, but while she was there, he did notice that Breeder had just had a baby and she looked about 14. And, um, Julianne says, well, we must send someone to the camp because of course they must. New scene. Vaughn is walking through like a, I don't know, a dark, area and sees his brothers playing with the hubcaps so it's not actually the travelers who stolen anything it is in fact Vaughn's criminal family <laughs> um <laughs> and um he has a go at his brothers and is like you will, you you're gonna get into trouble you shouldn't go around stealing give them back to me so he manages to get back the hubcaps new scene oh this is the fred scene i kind Aww. of love this subplot it's really sweet um
1: but it parallels patsy and delia so well as well doesn't it
0: yeah it really really does i just i just love it i love i love soft red
1: Um, and he's got his tash still in this one i know he hasn't had to
0: shave it off i mean that's how you know that he's married because mustaches look weird it's gotta go it's gotta go you don't want a little baby furry caterpillar on your top lip
1: I mean, on some women, it can
0: look really good. But (laughs) Um, but yeah, so Fred is teaching his crew. I forgot what they're called. Oh, the Civil Defence Force. Um, Also known as Power Rangers, and he's teaching them to read maps (laughs) in case the A bomb hits. And he's sort of like full regalia, like (laughs) now. We need to
1: read a map at that point, won't we?
0: To be fair, there will be fuck all around. Like, you'll just look through the rubble. Like, there aren't going to be the streets and stuff. How useful is this actually going to be? It's not. It's just, yeah, silly. So, Violet then arrives, and Violet is very, she's just flirty and quite Mm. girlish and, like, Oh, Mr. Buckle, I had no idea, and I don't know anything about anything, but I'm just here because you've invited me, and aw.
2: Oh, hello, I've
1: turned up in my nice shoes. Yeah,
0: and she's just very prim and popper, but she's quite flirty. Yeah. Um, she got a game. I think she planned this. You reckon? Oh, absolutely. Violet is the brains in this operation. Okay. I think she liked Fred, and she was like... Because she almost, when he asks her later on, she's like, thank God. Like, I <laughs> feel like she wanted him, she wanted him to notice her. Violet's got game, man. Violet knows the score. Um, But Violet is very lovely. And she's also quite like, oh, Mr. Buckle, do you mind if I read the maps upside down? And it's like, you can read them however you want, Violet, because it'll make fuck all difference in the case of an atom bomb. Um, And then <laughs> Fred's... It's very sweet, and he kind of drops something, and then his, his like, I, I don't know what really happened, but the laces on his boots kind of like burst open. <laughs> I think he was so turned on by know, her. It, it do you know what it that is? That's one of his boot laces.
1: It's Heidi's 1950s equivalent of a buxom wench's 1700s corset popping. Yes. Yeah, that's literally, what it like, is. <clears throat> yeah. and then
0: Violet goes, You need some better strength. Laces on those boots with metal eyelets, and Fred's yeah. like jizzes in his pants. No, soon. Oh, I
2: don't <laughs> want to think about that. Oh my
0: god. Sheila and Tim are at home, um and Sheila is very busy. There is like a tangible air of urgency around her. Um, Sheila is dressed in her nursing outfit um and she's saying tim you need to help me go to the pharmacy and do this and that and i still need to get your grammar school stuff and you need to go to pick up some pins and stuff and i'm so busy and then patrick arrives and hello nurse do you think they role play outside of (laughs) fucking hope not (laughs) Do you think he's like, oh, nurse, you're going to take my oh, blood pressure hellonous. with a stigmometer? She's like, in the fanny, Patrick, in the fanny.
1: <laughs> I don't want to know where they're sticking their thing that I can't pronounce.
0: <laughs> because he's very excited by her being in a nurse outfit.
1: Yeah, but he was excited with being in a nun's outfit, so it doesn't take much. So that's what on. I
0: mean. I think, like... Patrick's quite kinky and likes a, an outfit.
1: He likes a costume in the boudoir. Do you think they've got French maids? I think they've lost... got
0: busty bar wench.
1: Bus- oh shit! Because so you say busty burpy. Barbara then?
0: <laughs> 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 Jesus, don't bring her into it. <laughs> Have you ever seen the film The Little Death? and um it's it's these it's a very weird um kind of artsy film and it's all about these different people who have different kinks but it's kind of like a comedy and there's one and this guy and his wife they decide to do role play but he actually just wants to be an actor so <laughs> He really gets into the role. So there's this whole scene where she's supposed to be like, oh, doctor, I think I need to be checked and all of this. And he literally comes in <laughs> and there's this really disapproving doctor like you have been sexually active too much and you have an STI. I'm afraid we're going to have to, <laughs> to like, it's really funny. <laughs> if you... I've not seen that.
2: There's another one I where this woman to. can
0: only reach orgasm when her husband cries. So rather than tell him <laughs> this, she just keeps doing terrible things to make him cry. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's quite funny. Um, it is sick, twisted sense of humour. Um, but anyway, um, so while Sheila's giving Tim his orders, Sheila then, um, they talk about, he- and basically Tim's like, You bought me shorts and I want to wear trousers. And Sheila says that, oh, don't be silly, Tim. You'll look lovely. And then Sheila bustles off to go and sort something out. And then Tim says to his dad, Dad, I don't want to wear shorts because Nurse Crane said I had skinny ankles and skinny knees. (laughs) and rhubarb legs. Legs like rhubarb. I mean, this is kind of... Because when we first meet him, he's a baby, isn't he? He's like six or seven. And now he's 11 and he's kind of hitting that teenage years where he's more worried about his appearance and he doesn't want to be uncool and he's starting... I mean, he's going to the fucking grammar school, though. Like,
2: he's going to be with a bunch of nerds. Yeah. Bless him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've seen <laughs> trixie and cynthia are at the <laughs> traveler's site um they're kind of it's raining and they're being very closely watched by everybody it's very mistrustful um Trixie's kind of standing by the bicycles and then cynthia's knocking on the door um trixie then goes to help cynthia and <laughs> the kids instantly steal the bike and no one says anything they're like well you should have been keeping hold of it um Breeder's oh, aunt, a Yep. A tractor then enters. So a tractor is Breeder's aunt and a tractor says no one enters a caravan without being expressly invited. Uh, it's immediately obvious that the aunt attractor is pregnant too. Breeder, um, basically comes out and says, Oh, I'll let them into me, mine. I want them to check the baby out. Um, because she's, the baby's a bit yellow. Cynthia checks the baby out, but Aunt Attractor follows on just to kind of keep an eye on things. Um, and, you know, Cynthia just reassures her that sometimes babies can be a bit jaundiced after birth. And Aunt Attractor's like, well, I am the site midwife and I already knew that. So you shouldn't be asking these outsiders questions because I already knew that. Um, Aunt Attractor then says that she's going to be putting on a pot of tea and invites Cynthia to have a cup of tea with her. It's all very, it's very, it's too, I think it's a lot, isn't it? They're kind of mm. over the pudding somewhat.
1: A little bit, yeah. There's a lot of stereotypes going on here, isn't there, that just don't need to be there.
0: Yeah, like the gypsy Rosalie and the, all that stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: So, new scene. It's in the bedroom, the girl's bedroom, and you kind of got the squad. Okay, so Trixie, Barbara and Patsy are all sitting on the bed. Barbara has brought them a tray of Bon Vita. Interestingly, in this episode, Trixie doesn't drink alcohol until they go to the square dance, just before.
1: Until uh, Delia comes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think in this moment, she is actively trying to avoid alcohol, but she's not really doing a good job. But
1: then the social aspect of it comes in, which is the hardest thing, really. Yeah,
0: because people expect her to drink, because they know she likes to drink, so people always offer her and she doesn't know she doesn't yet have the tools to say no Mm. so she's in that she's getting ready to quit that she's not quite there yet yeah um barbara asks the squad what one should wear to a square dancing event and patsy says um check shirts are popular and i have plenty
2: (laughs) (laughs) Plenty such a
0: fucking lesbian um Trixie, I think, does want a drink because she's quite depressed about this (laughs) Bombita.
1: Yeah, she is. Uh, But yeah, you're right about the whole Trixie. Um, It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you've got... I'm fucking talking shit. I haven't got anything. You just keep eating (laughs) quavers. So...
0: (laughs) The door then is knocked. And Phyllis arrives. I lo- I I love Phyllis. Can we please make this the section where we just talk about how much we love Phyllis? Okay, I love, I love Phyllis. Her. I just love her. So Phyllis arrives and she says that she's like she's in her like dressing gown. She's got her hair in rollers, um, and she's arrived to buy tickets for the square dance. And she asks Patsy to buy tickets, and Patsy's like, of course. And nobody asks or anything, so Phyllis then just sort of does that thing where you know when it's silent and you keep talking (laughs) in the hope that someone keep talking, hoping that somebody will like interact and be nice to you. Um so Phyllis says that she went on an exploration with her cousin the year before and they went to Butlands where there was a square dance every night. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and they're all like, "Oh!" But again, they they just sort of are smiling at each other. Phyllis then wants to stay. She wants to stay. Patsy gives her the tickets, and she's mm. kind of is like, and Patsy's ushering her out the room, and she wants
2: to stay. <laughs> I
1: thought this was a sad. I I felt a little bit sad in this scene because
2: it.
1: She does want to stay, and she wants to be part of their group, and. She clearly isn't part of their group at this point. She, I think she does b- become a part of the group later on in the series, but at mm-hmm. this point, then, it's just not quite there, is it?
0: No, and, like, as she walks away, they shut the door, and then all the girls start laughing. And
1: oh, Phyllis hated that.
0: hears them laughing in the hallway, and her little face, like... It's horrible, and she is clearly upset, and she kind of freezes and then puts her chin up and squares herself off and keeps walking. But her feelings are hurt, and it's unnecessary. It's very,
1: it is unnecessary, because... Yeah.
0: And it's really cliquey, and this is something yeah. that I think female characters do, and it's a bit of a stereotype. Because this whole, like bitchiness it doesn't like these are Trixie Barbara and Patsy are good characters like they're good people in some ways it's nice because they're morally gray on this but it's just it's being nice to people
2: like I was a nerd
0: growing up I was Phyllis okay so I felt this a bit deeper because I was a nerd and you know I was bullied and I was the person that walked away and people laughed because I was you know random And, you know, would make stupid jokes and stuff. And, like, I felt that. Like, why be a dick? Ask her about her square dancing. I bet she could teach you some moves. Yes, I totally agree. I love Phyllis. I love Phyllis.
1: On a tangent, my mum worked at Butlin's.
0: Did she? Was she a redcoat?
1: She was a... um, She did the wakey-wakey announcements on the radio.
0: Did she sound like Gladys Pugh?
1: Oh, Hello Campers. No, Hello Campers! I've Thinking met Ruth Maddock. Have you? She hates me. Why? What did you do? <laughs> I didn't do anything to her. Did my you, like, dad. Follow her into the... the toilet and play no, a violin. My dad was there and said, Ooh, Kim's really into acting and films and things, and she thought I wanted to be an actor. Whereas, actually, I just really like films and TV. (laughs) So she spent the whole conversation talking to me about how I wouldn't be a very good actress because I'm not very good
2: looking. (laughs) (gasps) Really? And I was
1: looking at her thinking, what the fuck are you going on about? So she says to me, I can tell you don't like me. And I'm like, I don't know you from Adam, but you're talking random shit to me. (laughs) You've
0: literally come up to me and told me I'm ugly. I'll never make (laughs) it show business. Well... How wrong was she? Because now <laughs> you run a podcast.
1: Well, yeah, of course. I don't, I don't want this life. <laughs> Do
0: you know what? When I was growing up, I was like really dramatic, which clearly I've, I've stopped being now. Clearly, clearly. Clearly. <laughs> um, but I never wanted to go out for Amdram because I had this really weird belief and nobody ever corrected me for years growing up that if you died in a play or a TV show or a film, you actually had to die. And I, um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I,
0: I was like, I'm not ready to make that sacrifice in my And That
1: leap is a leap too far.
0: <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> and Unless like, it's a
1: stellar role, it's not going to happen. Cause you're <laughs> you're gonna
0: even once. that. Like, I have too much to live for. I'm not ready to die. I can um, die
1: on stage every night, but I can't <laughs> die once. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i just genuinely thought so you know like in films and stuff i think it's because of like disney when you're growing up like i was like oh my god mufasa died and that that lion is now dead and i just i genuinely thought that if you were an actor you had to actually
1: die <sighs> well that's just really good acting on the people you'd seen's behalf then isn't it because I'm you fair, really I just... thought they'd died I it's like, oh,
0: my God. And I used to get really upset when people died on films. Now I couldn't give a fuck. But, like, I used to really get upset because I'd be like, oh, my God, that brave actor or actress (laughs) died. And this was was such a B movie.
1: (laughs) When I was about nine, um, I was obsessed with the TV miniseries of Barbara Taylor Bradford's um, Hold the Dream. And it was... (laughs) Deborah Carr, who's a very famous actress, was in this TV series, and she dies. Oh, spoiler, she dies in it. (laughs) And I had to, the day I watched this, I had to go to a family party, and I just spent the whole family party just (laughs) crying. (laughs) And people were, were like, coming up to my mum saying, what's wrong with her? And she was having to say, oh, Emma Hart died. And they're like, who the fuck is Emma? (laughs) Oh, she's a TV character. Oh, my God, I thought it was a member of the family. (laughs) It was dreadful. I just get overly attached <laughs> to
2: things.
1: I
0: just, yeah, I would, I would really cry, and my mum would be like, "What is wrong with you?" And I'd be like, I "Just it's really sad." Yeah. So then, when when my mum was like, "Do you want to go out for am drama?" I was like, "No, no, idea. not."
1: Been, but if you could control that, you would have been brilliant because everybody would have believed your performance.
0: Yes, but. I, I think it would be too much. I mean, I still cry at Moulin Rouge, and I know they're not dying. You <laughs> cry <cried> at
1: <laughs> Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Oh my god, that's the god. least cryable film that we've <gasps> mentioned today. I love
2: Moulin Rouge. Anyway, I, I was story. crying earlier
1: today. Actually, what was I crying at earlier today? Shit. The heat. No. Yeah. The, well, partly. Shit. Who died? And I was crying today. I can't even remember. That's how much it lasted. <laughs> it last- It affected you deeply. Um, it's an yeah. in-the-moment thing. It's an in-the-moment thing. Yeah. I mean,
0: there are things that... Like, I cry at called the midwife and stuff like that. Um, it's oh, a new scene.
1: I, I was, that's what I was bawling at today, called the midwife.
0: What episode?
1: This episode. But we're not there yet. I'll tell you when we get there.
2: so
0: i feel like i should explain a little bit what's happening um i have bought a bag of quavers because i'm hungry and basically i'm forcing (laughs) kim to talk more by using my mic and eating quavers on camera and then she has to fill in the silence
1: with utter Um, shite
0: (laughs) yeah basically um so new scene phyllis sees paulette at paulette's house um, Mum and Paulette have been having an argument over Vaughan. Paulette begins to vomit because um, mum's basically saying Vaughan, you know, he's from a bad family. He's already been to Borstel. He's going to be a criminal. He's going to drag you down. The, you're too young to be looking into a relationship. Paulette then runs off crying and vomits. Phyllis follows her. And um the mum is sort of saying, oh, she's vomiting because she's upset. And when she's upset, her insulin levels fluctuate not insulin levels, glucose levels fluctuate. Phyllis follows Paulette and takes a urine sample. And then the next scene Phyllis walks into Dr. Turner's surgery and gives Sheila the urine sample bottles um and says that she knows the difference between um diabetic nausea and morning sickness, so she wants Paulette's urine to be checked for pregnancy. New scene. Tim is buying buttons at Violet's haberdashery shop for the grammar school. I mean, there's so many, like, Tim is going to grammar school
1: moments. Yeah, and I hate buttons. Yeah.
2: Do you remember got... when you were a
0: kid and you'd get your swimming cosy and then you'd get, like, when you'd done your 25 metres and your 50 yeah. metres, you'd have to sew your badges onto your cosy?
1: My dad always used to sew them.
0: Oh, did he? My dad mm. used to do it as well.
1: Yeah, my dad, my mum couldn't sew, but my dad's mum was a brilliant sewer, uh, seamstress. She was amazing. She used to do quite a lot of stuff, particularly for the church, like altar stuff. Um, and he learnt from her, so he used to do all of our sewing. That's
0: so cute. And did you used to have the Tony Tiger Kellogg's 25 metre? No! Did, we were, everyone in my school was enrolled in the Kellogg's teach kids to swim program so we all of our 25 50 meter badges all had um Tony oh I'm so
1: jealous no we didn't I was we
0: I had a very cool cosy
1: we had ones that were
2: bilingual
1: what oh were they Welsh and English no they they were no they were British English and American English what
0: anyway um (laughs) so Tim's buying buttons and um Violet who has never really had any that we've seen, that she's like, congratulations on getting onto the grammar school, Timothy. And Tim's like, thanks very much. He leaves, Fred arrives, they have a crossover. Fred says he's there to buy some boot laces. And Fred chats about hair ribbons. And they kind of compare and contrast the fact they're both widows. So it's very much like, I remember my wife. Oh, well, you know, she's been gone so and so because of that raid. And... She goes, "Oh, you know, my husband, he was the war- the warden, the ARP warden who found the body and they kind of bond over it and it's it's very um awkward early steps. Well, it's, Let's it's, try and build rapport.
1: It's a lot of rapport based on a lot of death and negativity, isn't it? And yeah. I I I didn't quite I mean it was obviously quite nice in the circumstances, I'm sure that happened to a lot of families, but to a modern ear it felt a little bit it felt a little bit fucking hell. So he found her body, then she died, so ooh, let's us get together then and have a shag.
0: Yeah, but I think he really likes her and I think anyone who kind World War Two, especially people living in London, that was the reality. So I suppose anyone who was living in London during World War II in the Blitz, would have that mentality. You kind of see it with Evangelina and other people around mm. that area in time. That okay. They had that. It was when they were alive and purposeful and when the most was going on. Mm.
1: Um, I suppose sometimes at times of war are the times you feel most alive, aren't they?
2: In times yeah, of conflict. You're surrounded, aren't
0: you? You're surrounded on all sides by death and conflicts, and you're there fighting the good fights, and all the propaganda and everything, so yeah, and that's why I think Fred loves all the A-bomb stuff, and... Well, it's harking back to a
1: time where people felt useful and um, purposeful purposeful and important, maybe?
0: Yeah, because, like, in World War Two, every single person wore a uniform.
2: Okay. Like sweeping you, statement, <laughs> well, they did didn't they?
0: Everyone had a job, and everybody had a role,
1: well, okay, Are we including the butchers and the farmers in that,
0: yeah, but even they had like a costume,
1: okay, so we're we're talking about uniform quite generally, then, yeah, okay,
0: but people people had a purpose,
1: I think purpose is a better way of saying it,
2: yeah.
0: New scene. Mary Cynthia.
1: Also, I keep
2: forgetting
0: that she's now Mary Cynthia rather than just Cynthia.
1: Let's just call her Cynthia. I don't care about the Mary bit. Drop it.
0: So Cynthia arrives at the traveller's site and um, she's brought powder for Breeder's baby who's like get rid of the umbilical cord thing. Cynthia asks Attractor about being an older mother because Attractor is very pregnant. And Attractor ignores this and says um, she can't be worried about anything giving birth at the moment because her grandmother is dying, Pekin. And um, Attractor kind of brings out this red porcelain cup and explains that, you know, this was part of her grandmother Pekin's um, dowry and it's bone china and it's really special and important. And they kind of admire the cup, which, mm. yeah, new scene the phone rings Um, it's back at an the phone's ringing Evangelina rushes to catch the phone even though Phyllis says I will take the phone because I'm expecting lots of important calls and Evangelina answers it anyway because they have such a rivalry and um, it's Dr. (laughs) Turner and she has to give the phone to Phyllis and Phyllis is like it's for you (laughs) it's for you like they just it's very childish on Evangelina's part Mm. and I really enjoy it it's quite comical um Dr Turner's calling to say that Paulette's test has returned and she is pregnant and they kind of go dun dun
2: dun
0: dangerous new scene Phyllis goes to Paulette's house with her mum and explains to Paulette and her mum that Paulette's pregnant Paulette is initially kind of like no 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 it can't be I you know we were very careful and um Paulette's mum says, it can't be true. Tell it, say it's not true. And Paulette says, actually, it's true. me
2: it's not true.
1: Say it's... No, sorry. We can't sing anymore.
0: <laughs> Paulette says they were trying to be careful, but they just slipped. Which I'm assuming means, like... Withdrawal method. Out me- withdrawal yeah, method. It's got to be, hasn't it? It's got to be. It
1: doesn't work, people.
0: It doesn't work. Precum. So, um, Oof. the mum then calls her a stupid little slut, um, which is just expertly said, I have to say. Um, it's just the delivery <laughs> is brilliant.
1: So venomous.
0: <laughs> it's so like, you slut. Um, mum then says that she will not give Paulette permission to marry Vaughan. Um, mm-hmm. she's, it's, you know, it's just not going to happen. Phyllis tells mum, do you smoke and the mum says I'm all out and Phyllis then says "Then I advise you to have the cigarettes oh and we're back in the 50s again aren't we we're back in the 50s because the whole like take a breath have a cigarette I have
1: issues with smoking I'm really sorry but I hated it really yeah really
0: (sighs) well anyway the mum um, Phyllis then says that Dr Turner's waiting because he's been waiting for Phyllis to break the news and then he's going to come and talk to them. And Paulette's like, why? What? And then we're into a new scene. Cynthia is still at the camp. Um, Attractor's trying to feed Bikine, her grandmother, and she's kind of struggling because Bikine won't take any fluids on. And Cynthia offers to help and Attractor allows her to. New scene. Dr. Turner is now in the house and is explaining to Paulette, how she needs to have a termination of this pregnancy because she a pregnancy would be very dangerous to her diabetes. And there's a high chance that there will be gestational diabetes. The baby will be larger. There is much more risk and complication associated with pregnancy and diabetes. Um, and especially at this time where they just didn't have that medical ability
1: the medical knowledge is so inferior at this point in terms of diabetes isn't it so
0: yeah i mean they just don't i mean they probably could do it but there would be a huge risk of complications in throughout the pregnancy and like if that baby was large she'd probably need a c-section but if you hark
1: back to the um uh pregnancy with the down syndrome uh lady they let that go to term
0: I was thinking this I was thinking is it because she's unwed and underage
1: but I think all I think it's a combination of all factors isn't it I think obviously the diabetes is weighing heavy the fact that she is so young is another factor the fact that she's not married is another factor it probably all correlates into you're not having this baby love
0: but also because of her age she can't make a decision about her own medical care.
1: Yeah, but she's 17. I mean, to our ears now. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know what I, I, what is it now for medical stuff? Is it 16? Is it
0: 18? 16. But there are um, laws in place where, say, you have a very mature 16 year old who doesn't understand the consequences or a 15 year old. They can advocate and able to decide their own medical
1: so to our ears a 17 year old not having agency over what happens to their body is absolutely anach- anachronistic yes yeah. it just it, you know it sounds so bizarre to our ears
0: it's very odd um and paulette is really upset and she runs away because they're basically telling her she has to abort her baby yeah new scene Attractor's nan Pekin is looking a bit brighter. Attractor says her nan found her a husband when she was 10 years old and uh, promised her they didn't get married until it was legal. Um, and then she explains to the customer around the gold ears with earrings, which is basically when a child is born, they give a gift of gold, which the baby then grows up wearing. And it's there for if they ever need to barter or if they're on their hard times, they can always use the gold in their ears, which I think is actually a real thing. Mm, I think it's a real thing. Yeah. It's a new scene. Paulette t- has found Vaughan and um, explains to has explained to him what they're saying about this termination that she's pregnant. Vaughan says that he wants the baby and Paulette kind of goes, you know, I'm a, I feel like I'm a liability. I've got diabetes. Now I might not be able to give you a child and vaughn says you know she's her she's his liability and he wants to marry her and she's like and they do this thing where she sort of goes i'm not going to ask if you mean it because i know you do (laughs) and and then he says i'm not going to ask if you mean say yes because i know you well and it's like oh
1: uh... fuck off come on heidi be better Ugh, oh,
0: so sickly. Do scene. Cynthia is now checking out a tractor's bump. Um, I feel like Cynthia is <laughs> I just kind say of bum like. <laughs> 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 I feel like Cynthia is kind of like drawing a tractor out like a badger from a set. She's gently, gently making her more comfortable. Yes. Um, Cynthia says um, a tractor is due to have her 11th baby and invites her to give birth in the maternity home. The tractor says that's just not how things are done. And she intends to give birth in her caravan like she has done with all 11 of her previous babies. Could you? I mean, she's her and Consuela need to get together and have a good chat. Consuela, her <laughs> from the first episode.
2: Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: Baby. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's um, a lot of babies to push 11 out. Eleven babies! There. That is so many imagine, children.
1: Oh, Jesus. Can you imagine one coming out, let alone eleven? It's going to burn for the rest of your life, isn't it?
0: I mean, I feel like the last one will just drop out. Yeah, probably. Like, but it's probably very quick
1: labour. You, you're probably looking at half an hour max, aren't you?
0: Yeah, from, like, start to finish.
1: Um, oh, when it's out. Oh, look. Uh, shit when did that happen
0: it's a bit like when giraffes give birth Have you ever seen a giraffe give birth
1: no but i want to
0: they literally because obviously giraffes are really tall so giraffes yes. kind of wander it just around Drop. yes and then when it hits the ground that kind of thump makes the baby giraffe go Ugh, And it, <gasps> i'm alive it sort of shocks it and then the giraffe baby giraffe just kind of goes oh my god and if it wasn't for the other giraffes going yo you've just had a baby i genuinely don't think that giraffe would notice
1: bloody hell <laughs> um so i
0: scene. know a girl like
1: that
0: new scene phyllis explains um to paulette about how the termination has now been booked um and paulette explains that actually she doesn't want to have a termination paulette's mum asked phyllis um and Paulette kind of storms off and says, well, you two are in cahoots and nobody's listening to me. And I mean, she's got a
1: point. Absolutely.
0: She's been she is in a relationship with someone that she intends to marry like she's stable. And she's been
1: absolutely disregarded. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a baby that is in her body. Yeah. I mean, whether you're pro-life or whatever, surely it's got to be the mother's choice. Well, I think
0: that kind of discussion is all about choice, isn't it? But hmm. um Paulette's mother then asks Phyllis if she has any children and Phyllis says, No, I am a spinster. I'm and, a spinster um, um I really feel like Phyllis is coded to be like an old lesbian. I, mm, or is okay. she asexual? Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like there's a lot of Grey. I mean, I suppose no, you wouldn't have had those the, labels back then.
1: But wasn't there a gentleman in the American Air Force that might yeah, have been? she
0: slept with someone once. And she tells Patsy that she did.
1: Well, yes.
0: But she's but, never been with it. But she's so independent. I feel like she's just this woman. But that... are
1: all independent women, you know, on the on the gay bisexual spectrum?
0: no i just feel like i don't know if she's lesbian or not i feel like she's very understanding of patsy and delia later on which tells me that she's either had experience with lesbians previously it or tells me she's a she's, big ass ally
1: no it it tells me that she's had a love that's been lost because of the war or whatever um and she regrets that and she's made a life for herself in other ways But perhaps she has then more value for true love when she sees it.
0: Yes, I like that. That's a nice way to put it. So Paulette has run off and answered the door. And the person at the door is Vaughan. And Vaughan rushes in and says um, he was brought up properly and he wants to marry Paulette. The mum then says, you can't marry Paulette. You can't. I'm not giving you permission. Her father is on an oil rig somewhere. And he isn't going to give permission and you need to get out. I don't want you anywhere near him. You're a wrong And he says um, he will leave this house, but he won't leave Paulette. New scene. It's at night. Vaughan approaches Ninata's house, knocks on the door and Phyllis answers. And he hands Phyllis the hubcaps that he stole from. Well, he took off his brothers who stole them. Um, Phyllis is a really cool. And I love the fact that Phyllis kind of adopts everyone. Like she's firm, but she literally is like, "Hmm, how can she stop?" But she's fair, yeah. she's fair. Um, So Vaughn says. Uh, so she basically tells him they're no use to me in a bag. Put them back on the car. So Vaughn says he did learn some mechanics at Borstel, um and he sort of explains how he's on the right track now. And um, he says he doesn't want his baby to be a you know what. What. Um, Meaning bastard. He doesn't want the baby to be an illegitimate. Um, Vaughan talks about how much she loves Paulette. And Phyllis kind of sits there and says, you know, I was a bastard. I was illegitimate. Um, and I still made something of myself. So she's kind of saying, like, you don't have to rush and get married. Hmm. The baby will still be fine. But really, you need to look like mature a bit between yourselves.
1: Yeah, I think actually what I thought she was saying is that it's up to each individual person to determine who they are and where they're going. So it's actually up to you as a person, not your history to determine who you are. And I think that's why she was saying it to Vaughan. She was almost saying it to him to say, don't be bound by the reputation of your family or the reputation that your family has. You make something of your life, son. Or kid, as she would say. And I think yeah. that's the point that she's making. I think she's making the point that uh, the cream always rises to the crop, the top.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it must have been so hard for her.
1: Well, yeah, because what would she have been born? She's, she must be in her 50s and we're yeah. in the 50s. So she would have been born in the early 1900s, I would imagine. So to have been born out of wedlock in that era... We're not looking at a, um, we're not looking at a first world war issue here where somebody's had a one night fling before somebody's gone off to war and it was love and they were going to get married and he's died. We're not looking at anything like that potentially. You know, there's not that sympathy behind perhaps those bastard children in inverted commas that we might have had. It's before then. So it's probably more stigma attached to it somehow.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, she would have had a, re- and I think she does talk about it in another episode. She does talk about how her mum was treated. Yeah. Um but yeah, just feel bad for her. Mm. Um so new scene, Fred visits Violet's shop for the second time and um <laughs> Violet feature <laughs> Violet says that she has been practicing her map reading. Um and Fred is like, "Very good. Um I would like to invite you to go to the square dancing, and she accepts. And then Yay! they say, you know, you can call me Fred, and you can call me Violet. We don't it's have to date. be. It's a date. They're going on a date, and Fred is chuffed to bits. You Love see, him. Phyllis um, is showing Paulette around the maternity home, and Paulette's very paranoid and sort of says, you know, Phyllis is in it with her mother, and they just want to get rid of her baby. Phyllis reminds Paulette that she is actually here due to social sort of support so she isn't here to give birth she's here to be in holding to kind of give her and her mother some space from one another so she's trying to support her that way um new scene sheila it's at night sheila is labeling tim's grammar school kit but is really struggling to get it all done because the baby's crying and she's got to go and sing with some nuns at midnight because she still does all the choirs um, and you know, she's also a nurse at the moment because people are sick and, you know, she's got a lot on. And Dr. Turner says, you need to ask for help. And Sheila is reluctant, but he's like, help, ask for help. So in the next scene, all of the nuns are sitting and labeling Tim's shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like Evangelina and Winifred. Um, Monica Joan is up and well, like, so obviously, her UTI is cleared up and now she's just fine.
1: Yeah. It was a bit of a
0: loose thread. They could have, I feel like they needed to have another scene to kind of bridge it all, but yeah, don't pull it
1: because it'll unravel.
0: (laughs) So Monica Joan is up and about. Evangelina tells her, are you going to help us and stick all the stuff on? and um eventually the kind of and Joe goes uh i think i'm going to go and find my latin dictionary um take these biscuits upstairs um because that will help cynthia and off she (laughs) wanders off winifred um talks about how putting the labels into the kit reminds her of when she was a postulant and she had to sew a number into all her clothes so I think the idea is that when you go in, you give everything up and then you're given a number rather than a name. Yeah. So you're giving I think that's, everything that's the up. gist I got. Yeah. Fange says um, she was <laughs> gutted when she arrived back and was told that she would be nursing Monica Joan. Um, but after so many years of being a nun, she's good at obedience and they have a kind of heart to heart. It's quite a nice moment. So Winifred asks Evangelina, how long did it take you to follow the um vow of obedience? And Evangelina says, years, years and years it took me. Um, and then Evangelina goes in to say, you know, she didn't mind the vow of poverty because that was easy for her. And the vow of chastity wasn't something she really thinks thinks about. But the vow of obedience was really difficult because it, she's headstrong. And so basically just giving into whenever she was told to, to go somewhere, she struggles with. Um, but she said that she's very excited to be working a night shift at the maternity home on Saturday. Um, I I feel like obviously Evangelina has her ending at the end of this series. And I feel like this was her swan song. Mm. These last few episodes.
1: Yeah, they're giving her a lot of screen time, aren't they? Building up to what's going to happen.
0: And letting her have lots of moments where she just says how happy she is and how much she loves what she does. Yeah. So, new scene. Paulette is informed that she's going to be transferred to the London at five o'clock that evening to go and have her termination. Um, Apparently, there's been an opening come forward and she's going to be sent. Um, new scene travellers and police are arguing at the travellers camp Cynthia arrives and asks what on earth is going on Peter says the travellers are being evicted the laws have been changed that day and it basically means that if the travellers can't register as a licensed camp they can't stay Yeah, which I believe is still a thing But the thing is, whenever travellers try to set up a kind of permanent camp, the council where they're staying
1: declines it. There's a a few things going on here. I think the law now to the law then is slightly different. So how it works now is that if a council doesn't provide a permanent site for travellers and then travellers turn up randomly on a piece of open space... It's very difficult to move them on. It takes a, you have to go to court. Uh, it takes a few days, by which time they probably were wanting to move on anyway. Yeah, that's a nice shot of thigh. Is it? Yeah. You see my leg? Yeah.
0: Can you? Yeah. I I thought it angled it so the okay um you've seen vaughn is visiting paulette <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was unintentional Vaughan visits paulette um paulette is busy packing a bag um she's kind of hidden behind a curtain and she says that she's going to run away Vaughan says he's got his interview the next morning um at the fleet street job and paulette says look you either run with me or i go without you but i'm not having a termination which is a really childish thing to do.
1: I agree. I felt this was very childish. And I felt this whole storyline from now on was very childish.
0: I mean, you can kind of see that it's going to go to shit almost instantly, can't you? Yeah.
1: You know what's going to happen. You can... The runes are there.
0: Like, you can read them. she is running away. But she is still diabetic and has these quite high-level emergency medical needs. What does she think is going to happen?
1: I have no idea what she thinks is going to happen. She's deluded. She's just thinking in the moment, trying to get out of that hospital, trying to save the baby. And she's not thinking beyond that. She's not thinking, well, actually, me doing this and not having the proper medical care could actually put me and the baby at risk. I mean, yeah, and we could both die it's at this very,
0: point. Yeah, and it just kind of highlights her immaturity.
1: Mm, absolutely
0: um it's a new scene and, cynthia,
1: his. and his as well
0: yeah they're very young they're very, very young very and they're kind young. of that they're swept up within the romance of they're going to escape together without really considering the real world ramifications and the needs and the practical requirements of the task they're trying to underdo um new scene cynthia escorts a tractor out of her caravan um to find that travellers and the police are still having a full-on fight outside. Cynthia shouts and tells them all um, to pack it in uh, while the birth's going on. Nobody's going to be evicted while people are dying and women are about to drop babies. And, mm. and Peter kind of goes, OK, all right, everybody. And they all kind of have like an awkward, oh, I didn't, OK, fair enough. You've um, seen Paulette's mother arrives with Barbara. And they open the curtain and realise that Paulette has legged it. New scene, Cynthia and Breeder are supporting a tractor to give birth. Everybody you know, the birth is super quick. It's literally mm. like come on a tractor and she's like Oh, it's a boy. Oh, it's
1: I'll cut the
0: <laughs> um,
2: cord.
1: Oh no, they snire. The baby
0: instantly starts crying. And um, so then everyone starts cheering, police and gypsies alike. Um <laughs> and pekeen hears everybody cheering so this obviously dying woman i felt really
1: emotional at this yeah i felt i really felt this
0: this was a really lovely scene so she walks out and you can see everyone kind of freeze. all the men who you imagine are quite big men and aren't used to having their own way they all kind of like Pekine, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Pekine's like, she doesn't speak. She just raises her hand and she's like, like, get out of my way. And she goes to uh, a tractor's caravan and she gets in and a tractor's like, Pekin. And they sit her down and she takes on the baby and a tractor says, you know, you were here for my first baby and you'd be here for my last. And Pekine's like, no, no, you could have more children. And the tractor's like, nope. I'm done. This will be my last baby. And they both kind of look at each other. It's like the end of an era.
1: I felt very emotional at this. I really felt emotional at this. Did you? Yeah, really did. I properly cried buckets at this whole storyline.
0: It's just sweet, isn't it? It's that maternal sorority thing. It's sweet.
1: I remember, I don't don't know. She almost reminded me of my Nana in some respects. Well, Aww. quite a lot of respects, because the, the love for babies that they share almost really resonated. It was quite powerful for me.
0: Yeah, I think there is like a an underground mafia of little old ladies who can be cajoled into looking at baby pictures. They'll show each other. Yeah. Well, like I, there's a little under road railway going with old ladies.
1: OK, um, something for Amber now she'll probably be the only one that will appreciate this but there was a tv show that olivia newton john did called um i can't remember what it's called but it's about the history of australia and around hobart particularly and um one of the places they went to was port arthur and olivia newton john did a song over a woman whose husband had obviously gone off to port arthur and was an, in, you know, convict, whatever, but she was holding a baby, and my nana used to watch this and say, I hope she doesn't put the baby in the river, almost as if to say, you know, it, it, her thought was, you've got to protect the baby. Don't, yeah. you know, don't do anything. You've got to protect the baby. And it, it sort of reminded me a little bit of Piggin in this scene, because of the just sheer old ladyness of the, I'm going to protect the little baby. And it was quite lovely, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is amazing. Like, if you put a newborn baby in front of loads of people, just you just see this automatic... Because they're so small and they're so helpless. Everyone's kind of like, don't mess with the baby. Yeah. Um, New scene. Um, The nuns are singing, and Sheila is singing with them. And it's kind of an overview while cynthia is caring for pekin um one thing where are all these fucking nuns coming from and two sheila is so busy she can't do tim's kit that she can go to 10 o'clock singing lessons with the nuns that girl needs to learn to prioritize it's
1: bad is it it's bad so wait come on so Sheila. come on sort your shit out new scene <laughs> Sheila
0: arrives home with all the kit and tells Patrick that they've labelled everything. And at that point, Patrick gives Sheila a pair of trousers and um, says and Sheila goes, I've bought t- um, Tim's shorts. And Patrick says, oh, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted shorts. I wanted trousers and I could never have them. So it's for me. So he's basically covering up for Tim and not hurting Sheila's feelings, which is quite sweet. Yeah. New scene, back to the traveller's site. It's the morning. Cynthia Cynthia has been there, like, for three days.
1: I think she's camping there. I think <laughs> she's, she's camping.
0: They've set Cynthia her own fucking van up. She's um,
1: using her habit as a tent. And she's literally.
0: <laughs> um, so Cynthia is bringing Pekin um, a cup of tea in the red teacup that was picked. And all of the men are now really nice to her. She's been, like accepted in it so they're kind of like yeah. i'll help you so they're lifting things out of her way and everybody's smiling at her and as she gets to um the van it one of the guys comes oh, out and it's very clear that pekin has just died um i found this and, very hard and he's very I, I, I didn't really get who this dude was i think well, he's pekin's son or is he a tractor's husband
1: i well, I kind of it is ambiguous and I think the script is too ambiguous here, but I think he might be a tractor's husband. yeah because 'Cause he's got the wedding ring and he's there and it's like who's her husband that's got a pregnant then because he's not around so much and I think yeah. I think there's a little bit of a plot hole there.
0: Yeah, but I think so he kind of comes out and it like he's clearly a very strong man and his like bottom lib wobbles and he can't say it out loud, like he can't say that she's died. Um, and Cynthia comes in and Pekin is laying on the bed. She's clearly cast away. Um, so yeah, it's a very sad scene. Um, new scene. Vaughan and Paulette are in the woods camping. Um, no, they aren't. They're in the wood. Oh, yeah. So they are in the woods. They're camping. And he's yep. kind of under, he's put a load of sticks together in the shittest wood canopy ever. Um, you can tell they're city kids. And, yes. um Paulette is going into a hypo. She's shaking um, and he's like, you'll, please take my coat. And she's like, no, you'll be cold. And, and he's like, you're so cold when I touch you. And she's like, I'm having a hypo. I need to eat Vaughn." I need to eat. And he's like, right, I'll go and get have, some an apple. Food. <laughs> have, have an apple. And she's like, no, no good unless they've been stewed down. Why didn't you think of this? Because gonna...
2: they're children.
0: <laughs> so fucking stupid. Like the second they were like, I'm going to run away. I was like, this is going to go really fucking badly. you seen Trixie, Babs and Patsy are all dressed for square dancing um phyllis arrives with delia in tow um delia's brought bourbon and patsy is so excited when Delia comes in she really like, oh, is
1: Hello, She's like deal.
0: oh, hello. hello deals i mean do you think uh at the end of this they most to sneak out and have a snog
1: yeah more than a snog yeah <laughs> um Does, you, you know joe's um jojo's fake um blue is the warmest color or yes. the one that's based on that And there's the alleyway. I'm thinking that alleyway has not been seen once. (laughs) Uh,
0: Definitely. I agree. Um, So Delia's brought bourbon. Um, So Delia's kind of like, I brought this drink. Phyllis says that she won't be drinking um, because they still haven't found... Vaughn and um, Paulette. Patsy and Delia pour drinks um, and have ice sex in the corner. They're kind of off, like, in their own little world while everyone talks. Barbara then offers Phyllis some cream soda. And Phyllis is like, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And just for tonight, you can call me Phyllis, not Aww. Nurse Crane. She's so sweet and she really wants to be part of the gang. And I just, I hate this
1: bit. Well, it's just... And- it's just unkind, isn't it? But the one that isn't. Un- and uh, did you know, obviously, Delia isn't unkind in this scene. Delia no, is. No. Oh, OK, I don't get that. I'm going to pour the drinks anyway. And Patsy's yeah. not unkind in this scene because of Delia's reaction. But I feel Barbara- like Delia
0: makes Patsy be better. Her.
1: Yeah, exactly. But Barbara yeah. and Trixie are still a little bit, <laughs> you know, a little bit mean about it, even though Barbara later on and Ph- Phyllis becomes basically her best friend.
0: Well, Phyllis is like her mum.
1: I Well, yeah,
0: there's a best friend mentorship.
1: Barbara lost her mum when she was very young, didn't she? So she's probably, I think it's a bit
0: Luke and Obi-Wan.
1: Yeah, I think so, probably. Yeah. But uh, this scene, certainly I felt Patsy was less, was more sympathetic to Phyllis than she was in the first one where, with the ticket.
0: I think when you're first in love and you're very, very much in that like huge, like, oh my God, I love this person so much. The whole world becomes really soft and it's very difficult to have a negative mindset when you're... But she
1: did in the first yeah. one. Yeah, but Delia wasn't there. OK, so it's not so much about you're in love and it's the mindset. It's about the proximity of the person that's causing the love.
0: No, but I think Delia makes Patsy so happy that when Delia is there, Patsy just hasn't got, she's not interested yeah. in other stuff. She's just like, my girlfriend, to see my girlfriend? She's broad bourbon. She's wearing a necktie. Like
1: she's got she looks really cute in that scene. She looks adorable. She's just really cute in
2: that scene. Uh,
0: Yeah. Um also it should be noted in relation to Trixie's arc that this is the scene where they give Trixie a Bourbon and Trixie drinks it and she literally (laughs) Think of her a biscuit. The Americans are not gonna get that joke. (laughs) They're gonna be like, What? What on earth are they talking about? Bourbon Bourbon's is a, a chocolate biscuit. They're
1: the best biscuits. They're secondary a, only to rich tea.
0: Rich tea? What? No, rich tea is shit. Digestics. I love rich tea. Rich or tea or am- a no, rich hobnob. tea. Chocolate hot. No. Dog. <gasps> well,
1: only if they're the Aldione brand. The Aldione brand ones are better than McVitie's.
0: I'll, I'll take that, but rich tea are a bag of shite. You can't dunk no. it in a biscuit. You can't you t- course dunk you can. rich tea in. No,
1: you can't. It just course flaps off,
0: and then you end up like with weird biscuit bits in your cup of tea.
1: But that's why you have two cups of tea. You have one to dunk and one to drink. That
0: is so British.
1: <laughs>
0: I have... <laughs> Who makes themselves two cups of tea? Regularly. I do. Do you? Yeah. Wow. I bet you're so hydrated.
1: Um, hang on, let me. I'll go and I'll go for a wee. I'll
0: tell you. No, we're nearly finished. We've only got a couple of pages left. (laughs) Um, right. So yeah, they go off to um the square dancing. New scene. Paulette is now going. So she was go going into a hypo because her blood glucose was. low she, he's then like given her something to eat and then her blood sugars are too high and she needs insulin and she's going into hyper glycemic shock so she's gone the gamut really she's not able to control her self self at all, <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's all in many
1: ways it's just in not many, going many well ways.
0: um vaughn no and she's kind of going to don't take me back and she's kind of saying to him like just leave me here it's all good. She's. In full-on denial, but also because she is in having hyper, she's, like, compromised. She's not going to be able to fully consider everything that's happening because she's having hyper. Mm. Um, Vaughn, though, does know that she's getting really poorly. And um, Vaughn says, look, we need to go back. And then he just leaves her in the forest, and then he needs to because he needs to go and get help. <laughs> but, like... He's like, stay here. And then she kind of passes out on the forest floor. And I was like, that girl's going to die if they don't sort this out. New scene. It's the square dancing. Cubs are calling Fred the lone ranger. Everybody's dancing and having a good time. New scene. Vaughn is carrying Paulette, um, to a car. And so he's stolen a car and very well. I thought like mm. he's clearly done. He's done that before. Uh, He's hot wider. Yeah, he
1: knows.
0: Yeah. So Vaughn carries Paulette. (laughs) So Paulette's put the car and he starts to drive him towards the mother and baby home. Back, like, where they should have stayed. New scene Patsy and Delia are square dancing and they have a little moment where they're kind of looking at each other, but they have to keep getting separated because square dancing looks incredibly complicated.
1: Yeah, it's a bit like like Scottish dancing, isn't it? With all the patterns and the rhythms.
0: Yeah, it looks really boring. It's like
1: there's no Cotton Eye Joe, is there?
0: Oh, Cotton Eye Joe. 90s <laughs> disco.
1: Or <These>. achy breaky heart. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. Cheese. Um, so Vaughan gets her to the mother and baby um, and you can see that he's carrying her. And Evangelina says, you need to go to the square dancing and go and get Dr. Turner. And while she's doing that, she's put some glucose powder underneath um oh, lips. Oh, she really went
1: him. in there, didn't she? Into that mouth. Did you see it? She grabbed yeah, her cheek. And yeah, you have to. Lips. I know you have to, but it's acting.
0: I know, but like, she really like, I feel like, she's Pam, what's her name? Ferris. Pam, Ferris is just a method actor she was like I am going to be in the drama and I am going to fist this girl's face
1: but I bet when a girl's violated (laughs) and she says you're five centimeters I bet her fingers aren't up there are they come on how do you know how do you know come on there's method acting and there's method acting how do you
0: know maybe that's why everyone was so positive about being on the cast
1: I didn't think of that
0: Why do you think everyone's so happy? It's because they're getting fingered by Pam Ferris. New scene. Oh, Delia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh. Oh. I
1: uh, I, I had a bit of a twinge then. Hang on. I need a moment.
0: Uh, So new scene. Um, Delia and Patsy kind of walking together in the background. And Delia says that she wants to dance just with Patsy and Patsy says, we are dancing. Um, And Delia says, no, I want to dance with you, not with all of Poplar. You know, I want to do a tango or a foxtrot, and um, Patsy says there's not a place in the earth where they could do that, which is so dramatic.
1: Like dramatic, but the title or the name of one of the best writers in the fandom is born.
0: Even a tango, even a tango.
1: I don't think she's in the Discord, but if you're out there, phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm. She's really good. Yeah. Um, Delia says, um, there must be somewhere that they can go. And until the time in which they find it, they'll just have to dance in their heads. And it's a nice foreshadowing.
1: Well, and it's, a yes, and it's also a nice line that's used in Habits, uh, no, sorry, in Hospital Corners thick as well. Yeah.
0: I feel like this is one of those scenes that gets... Hugely used.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's quite a seminal moment without it being about semen.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vaughn bursts in. <laughs> well, I've got a, a Turner. <laughs> New scene. Um, <laughs> uh, the travellers burn Pekin's caravan with her oh. in it. Um, and it's a very solemn moment that is literally just the travellers. Um, and as it burns, they sing a really sad song. And um, with the man with one tooth. Yeah, it's. But even that was really like. Space <laughs> was I wanted to Spotify point. it. I was yeah. like, I could jive with that. Um, new scene. So a cop has spotted the stolen car. That is quite an eagle-eyed cop because all the cars look the same
1: well i think back then the number plates were very specific and there were so few cars so if your number plate was for i don't know berkshire and it was in the center of london it would seem a bit odd
0: yeah but there was no way they were in berkshire they were like the very well they'd got on a tube Sorry,
1: they'd got on a tube and then gone they'd literally been gone for like 40 minutes
0: and somehow okay. they're probably like in like a park somewhere in London, like in like
1: like Westminster. <laughs> probably Green park, on fucking in Green nowhere. Park. Um, putting
0: putting
1: bloody twigs together. Twigs
0: together, and these fucking they were like just calling an oh, ambulance for the
1: Queen lives. That is.
0: <laughs> Maybe we should ask if she's got any insulin. Um. So yeah, so Vaughn is nicked. Instantly, so he's walking back with Dr. Turner, and the police stop him and say, Do you know anything about that? And the next thing you know, he's being locked up um in the cells, and he's banging on the door and he's saying, You know, I've got an interview today. And the cop says, Look, you can ring your parole officer or you can ring your solicitor. Who do you want? And he says, He, he doesn't want either of them. He calls Phyllis because he wants to know how Paulette's doing, which is really sweet, but really fucking stupid like mm. ring your parole officer
2: well the
1: parole officer can't do anything at that point
0: no because he's stolen a car <laughs> he's committed
1: um, an offence and he's admitted to it you're looking for mitigation at that point so Nurse Crane turning up at court saying he did it because of this is probably more valuable actually
0: and that is kind of what happens so as Vaughan gets out Phyllis arrives and he says, <laughs> she says to Vaughan that um, Paulette is very well um she has had to have the termination. Um but Phyllis says that she'll stand for Vaughan in court to explain that she's basically saving Paulette's he's saving Paulette's life. And um Vaughan is loaded off to go to court and um yeah, it's sad. New scene. Paulette's in uh, the hospital with her mum and the mum says um Vaughan's a good man and from what they explained to her, she Paulette would have died if Vaughan hadn't got her back. She was literally gone for two hours, though. <laughs> Could you imagine being this close to crisis all the time? Um, uh, and they basically discuss how things might be different in a few years. So when Paulette's, you know, older and ready to have children, it may be that she may be able to carry a pregnancy. I mean... I think in this period, if you were type one diabetic and they probably wouldn't have had as many type twos, there was a high likelihood you'd die young. Yes. Like if you were type one diabetic, you probably weren't going to live as long as everybody else. Mm. Um, Which is a bit like epilepsy now. So new scene. Cynthia arrives back at the camp. And it's been abandoned. There's nobody there, apart from Breida, who's been waiting with her fella. And she gives Cynthia the China Cup. And Cynthia says, oh, well, you know, I'm not supposed to have personal effects. And Breida says, well, I tell you what, then. Just say that you're loaning it, looking after it for us. And it's a very traveller kind of very. It's a very
1: interesting point of view, isn't it?
0: Yes. Um, And that's... Then there's the final scene, which is basically Jenny monologue saying that people are defined by what we share, not what separates us. Um, and the final scene is Timmy running off to the grammar school. And that's yeah. it. That's the episode. Woohoo! We're done! Woo-hoo. So how did you find this episode, Kim?
1: I like this episode. Yeah. I like this episode a lot because there was quite a lot going on. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pup cake from the square dance yep. and there's a lot of seminal moments that have filtered through into fanfics because of that. And yep. I'm here for the fanfic people. Keep writing, keep writing. Um it was good. I liked it. Good.
0: I liked this episode. I thought I liked the fact that we start to get a bit more of Phyllis's backstory. Yes. <sighs> I'll be completely honest, I'm not a big fan of Mary Cynthia. Really? I just find her a bit boring.
1: She's quite bland, but also very, I don't know, she's quite, she's a bland character, but the actress plays her in a bland way as well. All of her mannerisms and her, um interactions with people are quite bland
0: yeah but i feel like it's forcibly bland like i feel like there's m- always been more to cynthia and we kind of see that with the anxiety and the depression and all of that stuff but mm. i just find her a bit of a wet weekend okay
2: um
1: she had, don't a lot why. To do. she had a lot to do in this episode if you find finding her a wet weekend that doesn't bode well but I love Phyllis and I love the pub
0: cake. So. Phyllis
1: is amazing. I love her. I love she's Phyllis. my favourite character.
0: She's probably mine as well. I do love... I love her and Evangelina as well. I love their kind of infighting.
1: They're like an old married couple and I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But I don't... I don't not like Phyllis since Evangelina has... Oh, shit. Spoiler. Gone. <laughs>
0: no no i i love phyllis on a road. i think she just she's such a doll i just love her Mm. um and that is today's episode guys so we hope you enjoyed um i don't
1: i hope you spat spat your own vomit out in a sink Um, no I i don't mean that i don't mean it
0: and um, we just want to say that, you know, thank you very much for listening, because last time we checked, I think we had 75 listeners.
1: Yeah, that was fewer than the last time. I think people have dropped off because, you know, there's not so can't many. I can't think why. <laughs> there's not so many vag jokes anymore, is there?
0: Yeah, maybe we need to be less serious. Who knows? If anyone would like to give us any feedback on, you know, whether they'd like us to be more serious, less serious, things we need to change, please do let us more know. More On the Discord. If you want more more clit clit jokes, let us know. Yes. If you would like that, do let us know. Um, Personally,
1: I would very much like to know if you would like more clits.
0: In general? Or like what? Like someone with three clits?
1: No, no. Just more action on the clits. (laughs) So anyway, everybody, (laughs) I do
0: hope that you have a lovely night. And um, good night. Bye.
2: Bye.